Thanks for joining us on Our Father's House's weekly podcast, A Place to Find God. Each week we bring you a sermon from our Sunday services where you can be uplifted and grow in Jesus on the go. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to ofhorangeburg.com. We'd love to get to know you. Now let's get to this week's message. Somebody shout Jesus. Come on, somebody shout Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord on this morning. We thank God for that song. Amen. Coming from Amen. Our Andrea, as well as uh, the introduction of the service on today. We are blessed of the Lord. How many are blessed of the Lord? Amen. That's it. Come on, put those hands together and give the Lord a praise on today. We certainly appreciate the Lord and the presence of God that is in the room. You know what? I'm glad that the presence of God is here because I don't want to go anywhere that the presence of God is not there. And when we can come into the house of the Lord and feel the presence of God, it makes us to know that God has something in store. And I definitely believe that God has something in store for us on today as we are going to go into the service on today. But we thank God for those of you that are online with us on today, you that are joining with us in this service. We believe that God is going to speak to our hearts by the word of God on this morning. Amen. And we certainly know that God is a good God. Look at somebody and tell us that God is a good God. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them and say, God is a good God. Amen. And we certainly appreciate the Lord, amen, for his goodness on today. I'm blessed with the Lord, amen, because I believe that God is going to speak to our hearts on today. God gave me a word that has been ringing in my heart now for a couple of weeks. You may be seated. And uh, um, I've been before the Lord asking God, how is it that you want me to deliver this word? Um, I believe uh, that everything that we do should be by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we certainly want the, his presence to be with us as we are sharing this word on today. In fact, let's go before the Lord. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your presence here, God. We thank you, God, that when we got here, you were here. And we believe, God, that you have something in store for us on today. We pray, God, right now that by the power of your spirit that you will drive everything out that's not like you. Every spirit that is not of you, God, we pray, God, that you would override it right now in the name of Jesus and that you would release the power of your spirit throughout this place on today have your way in the room on today we pray for the anointing of your holy spirit god that would anoint us lord to carry out that that you have ordained that we do on today we don't want to do anything without your anointing so we invite your anointing in our lives and in the room right now in the name of jesus speak to our hearts bring deliverance by the power of your spirit and we thank you for it for it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together for the Lord. And amen. Or praise God. We bless God on today. God is certainly great. And we certainly appreciate the Lord. Those of you that are here, we thank God for you being here on today. We still have quite a few that are out of town, in fact, out of the country. Um, but we are here and God is here. And my Bible tells me, so where two or three are gathered together, 
And we certainly have more than that on today. So we are, we are here and we are gathered together in his name. And certainly he is in the midst. So we want to give him what's due him on today. We want to give him all of the glory, all of the honor, and certainly all of the praise. I, I want to go into the word of God on today because I have, um, I guess, quite a few scriptures that I'm going to read uh, um, as we go into this lesson on today that God has placed in my heart. Uh, we're going to be coming from Psalms 119, 49 through 71. You say, wow, that's a lot of scriptures. But sometimes when you want to tell the story, you need a lot of help. So we're going to cover those scriptures on today. We're also going to be reading from Exodus, the 14th chapter. <clears throat> And the 10th verse, um, let's start first of all with Psalms, Psalms 119, and um, starting at the 49th verse. As I said, I'm going to be reading quite a few scriptures because I want to give you somewhat of a background as it relates to what God is saying to our hearts on today. Here we have the psalmist saying, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou cast, thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. I want you to listen very closely to the psalmist here as we are going into the word. Look at what it says. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Have you ever had a word from God that gave you hope? That sometimes God would give you a word, and, and this is what God is, is. God is. God will sometimes give you a word that will cause you to hope as you're dealing with life in the future. And here the psalmist said, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort. That word is my comfort in my affliction when I'm going through. Your word is the thing that comforts me. The proud have had me greatly in derision. They have, they, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgment of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror has taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statue have been my song in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precept. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy word. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. <clears throat> I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy, thy commandments. The band of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight, I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgment. I am a companion of all that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Thou hast dealt with me, with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy 
word. Thou art good and doest good, eat good, doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn thy statutes. Now, I know that is quite a few scriptures that we read on this morning, but I want you to look at these scriptures as it has been laid out before us on today. First of all, the psalmist said, your word, God, has given me hope. And as a result of the hope that your word has given me when I've gone through and afflictions come and difficulties come, it was your word that I clinged to. Even in the midnight hours when things were uh, uh, going awry, God, I held fast your word. When folk talked about me and laughed about me and they derided me, I still held fast to your word. Now, I want you to look at this because there's something that I want to share with us inside of this scripture. Now, the psalmist did not rule out the fact that he had difficulties. Look at your neighbors and you may have difficulties. Look at say, but the word is your strength. Now, he didn't rule out the fact that he had difficulty, but I want you to look at something here in the 61st uh, uh, verse, the 67th verse. He said, before I was, what, afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Before I went through, and I don't know about you, but uh, uh, there are many of us that have times in our lives that we are going through difficulties. But look at what the psalmist here said. He said, before I was afflicted, before I had the difficulties in my life, I went astray. I drifted. I did my own thing. But now after the afflictions, I have kept thy statutes. Now when you look at the 71st verse, it says, the psalmist said, it was good for me. I realized that what? It was good for me. Look at somebody that says some things that you're going through is good for you. He said, it was good for me that I was afflicted for now I might learn thy statutes. Now let's go to Exodus. Exodus the 13th chapter, the 14th chapter. We're going to go to the 14th. Uh, we're going to start at the 10th verse. <clears throat> and when Pharaoh, Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptian marched after them. And they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee when we were in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we die in the wilderness. <laughs> And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and what? See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptian whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. 
forever. Now, I want you to look at this particular passage of Scripture here because this here is giving us here uh, 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 an outline of what happened to the children of Israel after they left Egypt in bondage. And the Bible says that Pharaoh came after them. And so when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel saw what was going on. Have you ever been going through some things and you looked around and it seemed like difficulties are happening on the left hand and on the right hand, and that seemed like there's nothing you can do about it? The Bible said they saw Pharaoh drawing nigh with all of his armies. Now look at what it said now. It said they cried unto the Lord. Now that's good. Look at your neighbor. It says good to call on the Lord. But what happened now, after they cried to the Lord, then they went to Moses. If you can just keep your focus on God, things will work out. But then they went to Moses. Not that there was anything wrong with them going to Moses, but the attitude in which they went to Moses was one that was not in alignment with the will of God. They went to Moses and began to complain to Moses and said, was it not good enough for us to be stay in Egypt? You brought us out here so that we can die in the wilderness? This has been your plan the whole time to just bring us out here and die. We would have preferred, don't you remember, when we were in Egypt, we told you to leave us alone. <laughs> you ever have a dealt with somebody when they were going through difficulties and you're trying to minister them out and they said, no, just, just, just leave me, just leave me. We told you to leave us alone. But then you come here with this word from God. That God's going to deliver us and God's going to set us free and he's going to take us into a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, I want you to marry this here with what the psalmist said in uh, 119, a word from the Lord. God gave the children of Israel a word from him through Moses. I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, as the psalmist said, that word that you gave me gave me hope. You see, when, if we could just find hope in the midst of what we are going through, we can make it through. But here uh, are the children of Israel now. They had a word from the Lord, but they found themselves in difficulties. Does anybody ever find yourself in difficulties after God has spoken to you? After God has given you a promise, you find yourself going through difficulties? Don't do like the children of Israel. Oh, I wish it was like it was before. God spoke, but God ain't going to do nothing. He should have left us down in Egypt. I'm getting into my message before I even give you my title. I want to talk to us just for a few minutes from this particular subject. Thriving in your wilderness. Or thriving in the wilderness. I want us to understand something as we go into this lesson on today that I don't care what you may be going through. I don't care how much difficulties that you may be going through. God said you can thrive in the midst of your wilderness experience. Now I want us to understand something now because as we look at this word wilderness, uh, Many times when we look at this word wilderness, we associate it with a, ge with a geographic location, okay? 
uh, 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 when we look at the wilderness as it relates to the children of Israel, many look at it as uh, the, 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 the terrain or the uh, land that was between Egypt and the promised land. While that may be true, it is a geographic uh, location, but more than that, a wilderness for the people of God is more so an experience that you are having in your life. When we talk about the wilderness as it relates to the people of God, and this is who I'm talking to today, I'm talking to those of us that are here, and, and maybe not even the people of God, because there are times that all of us find ourselves going through what we call the wilderness experiences, times when it seems like everything is going wrong. Anybody ever been there? But it seems like everything is going wrong. Nothing seems to be going right. The bottom is just dropped out. And it seems like all hell has broken loose. You turn to the right and there's trouble. You turn to the left, there's trouble. You get over one thing, there's another thing facing you. And it seems like everything is going wrong. Look at your neighbors and neighbor. That may be wilderness. <laughs> but I want us to see something. That... Many times when we are going through the wilderness experiences, if we would just settle ourselves, we can discover that the wilderness is not really as bad as we make it to seem. Oh, sure. <laughs> you don't know like I know what's going on in my life. You don't know the difficulties I'm facing. And while that may be true, but I want you to see something today. But when we look at wilderness through the eyes of God, it's not as bad as you think it might be. When I look at the patriarchs of old, and that is our example. They are our examples of the power of God and the will of God for us as the people of God. In fact, Corinthians, the 10th chapter, tells us that the, the, the children of Israel, the plight and, and the, the, uh, the, the route that the children of Israel went through was given as an example for us so that we can understand. And I want you to understand something that as you read Scripture, many things that you read inside of Scripture, particularly in the Old Covenant, you'll find it in the New Covenant also, they are things that are teaching you how God works in situations, how God deals inside of situations. And if you look throughout Scripture, when there are different, different ones are going through wilderness experiences, let's have a heart. I find out uh, that on the other side of those wilderness experiences were some good things. Look at David. Uh, David said, uh, it was what? Good for me. <laughs> Look at your neighbors. It was good for me. Let me, tell you, let me show you this. Everything that's not good to you does not necessarily mean that it's not good for you. Okay. Just because it don't make me feel good does not mean that it won't make me good. <laughs> okay. The psalmist says it. It was good for me that I was what? Afflicted. 
He said, before I was afflicted, I what, went astray. I did my own thing. I did what I wanted to do. I had no governors in my life. There were some things that I did not know about myself and, and about God. But when God afflicted me, there's one scripture that uh, David said in the Psalms. He said, thy love has what? Chastened me sore. In other words, uh, God loves me, but he allowed me to go through some difficulties to teach me some things, uh, to train me. And I want us to understand something here because when we deal with the word chastening, uh, chastening is not just beating uh, and punishing. Chastening is training. Okay. It's a method of training uh, and developing. And David said, thy love has what? chastened me sore even though I felt some difficult times even though I felt some pains and friends walked out on me David said I still learned some things as a result of it so I want us to see here as we go through life as we deal with life there are many times God in his sovereignty. Look at your neighbors of God is sovereign. It means God does what he wants when he wants. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. And in God's sovereignty, because God takes the oversight. Now I want you to understand something here. Because when we start dealing with the sovereignty of God, when we start dealing with God, and I want you to understand this, if you are serving God, you are serving a sovereign God. That means you are serving a God that is in charge of everything. I told somebody this at one time. God is in control when things are out of control. <laughs> Come on. God never loses control because his sovereignty tells him that I can do what I want when I want. Circumstances and situations does not have the power to tie God's arm because his sovereignty puts him in a place that all I've got to do is speak. So now we're dealing with a sovereign God that have had the audacity to call us his children. It's almost like, in a lesser sense, it's almost like Prince William and Prince Harry. They were children. They were royal kids. And because they were royal kids, their parents, at the time, queen, uh, uh, their parents were was at that time princesses, but they were from the lineage of royalty. Now, because of that, they had the privilege of saying, now, okay, I don't care what you guys do. The queen is my grandmama. <laughs> Come on. And because of her sovereignty, she can do what she wants. When she wants. Come on. Now, I want us to see here because many of us, may be dealing with some things in our lives. You may have difficulties. But look at your neighbors, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I want you to say it to them with a smile, it's okay. But people have a tendency, 
when they're going through and you tell them, it's okay, it's going to be okay. You know, you know, some folk have the audacity to get upset with you. How can you say it's going to be okay, you know, when what I'm dealing with? It's not that I'm insensitive to what you're going through. It's not that I don't recognize that you are dealing with difficult times, but I serve a God that has the power to make everything okay. Okay, now I don't want to sing the blues with you. I may acknowledge that you are going through, but don't uh, uh, try to get me into the corner singing the blues with you. If I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to sing the praises of God. I'm going to let you know that God is God, and he always will be God. He always had been God, and he had the power over everything. So now, whatever you're going through today in your life, I want to share this with you. It will be okay. Come on. I personally have lived long enough to be able to testify of that. I've had difficult times in my life, times that I thought uh, that there was no way out. I thought that this, as, uh, as uh, uh, um, you know, Fred Sanford used to say, uh, Elizabeth, this is the big one. Uh, I, there were times that I thought that, you know, this, this particular test I'm going through here, this is, this is it. But God. Have you ever entertained the but God? What do you mean, Bishop? The but God steps in when situations are real, real bad. But God. You ever, oh, oh Lord, I, I remember I went to the doctor and they, they told me this and they told me that and they told me the other, but God. Come on. I, I remember when it seemed like all of my friends walked out on me and I just thought that I was alone by myself, but God. Come on. I don't ever want you to lose focus on the but God. Sure, my problems are real, my situations are real, but just as real as my problems and my situation, the but God is also real. And if you want to know a fact that he's more real than what you're going through. So regardless of what it is that you are going through, I want to encourage you today that you can thrive in the midst of your wilderness experiences. Let me show you this. The wilderness, contrary to popular belief, wilderness is not designed to destroy you. It's not designed to defeat you. It's not designed as a tool of punishment. You, you ever somebody going through this stuff? God, God is just you know punishing you. You, you got to understand God. You, you, you got to understand God now. Let's, let's take a look at uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. You remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar who built the Babylonian Empire and stood out on the, uh, uh, the, the whatever it was and said, look at this great Babylon that I built. You, you remember? And the Bible said that immediately uh, 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 he was sent out in the wilderness to crop weeds like an animal. Now, I want you to understand something. Now, many would look at that as God's punishment to Nebuchadnezzar for taking his glory. 
but I want you to see the hand of God. God did not send Nebuchadnezzar out in the wilderness to punish him. He sent him out there to teach him a lesson. Come on. He sent him out there to get all of that stuff out of him that made him feel like he was as big as God. Don't you realize there's some time that God will send you? You remember uh, 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 Paul said this uh, in uh, the 12th chapter of Corinthians. He said, uh, 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 there was a time that I was going through difficulties and, and I was going through situations and, and it seemed like uh, I just couldn't find my way out, but I, I sought the Lord. I sought him three times because of this thorn that was in my flesh. It was aggravating me and it was just, just agitating me. And I sought the Lord Three times that he would remove the thorn from my flesh. But God. Look at somebody say, but God. When God stepped in, God said, listen, I'm not going to remove the thorn. I'm not going to take away this test. But I want you to see what I'm trying to do in this test. I'm trying to preserve you from yourself. You don't realize the condition that you have the potential to go into if I don't allow this test. He said, lest thou be exalted above measure. Because of the abundance of revelation that was given unto you, I have sent that thorn to buffet you. <laughs> Let me show you something. That word buffet means to strip away. Strip away. I sent that thorn, Paul. Sure, you're my apostle. You're my apostle to the Gentile nation. I selected you as one of my chief apostles. I want, you to, I want you to look at this here now. But there's still something that I got to make sure that does not creep up in you. I'm going to send you through some difficult times to remind you, Paul, that without me, you're nothing. I want you to always remember that whatever I do through you, however many books you write, however many souls you get saved, and however many healings take place as a result of your life, I always want you to remember that it's not you, but it's me. So I'm not going to allow, I'm not going to allow you to be exalted above measure. So it was good for him. Look at somebody say, it was good for Paul. Now I want us to see something here. Because as we look at these particular scriptures here, that I said, uh, 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 the wilderness is not designed to destroy us. It's not designed to punish us nor to defeat us. But on the contrary, wilderness a lot of times, more often than not, are developmental tools that God uses to develop you. How many believe that God has something special for your life? Come on, how many believe that? Let me share something with you. I don't care who you are and how great you are destined to become. You have to be developed. You, when God, let me show you something. When God called Abraham. Remember God called Abraham in the 12th chapter of Genesis and told him that I want you to leave your kindred and I want you to go into a land that I will show you. Come on. 
He said, now, I want you to understand what I'm doing. I've chosen you to be the father of nations from your loin. I am going to raise up a nation of people that I will call my people. Now, he gave uh, 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 Abraham the promise. But listen at this. Between the 12th chapter of uh, uh, Genesis to somewhere around the the 19th, the 20th chapter of Abraham found himself going through all kinds of situations. First of all, he had family problems. Anybody ever had family problems? It seems like when God put a calling on your life, it seems like he ought to fix all of those things. They had family problems. Lot and his crew began to challenge Abraham, and, and Abraham stood the test. And that was one test Abraham stood. Abraham said, okay, Lot, okay, if that's the way you feel, we just separate. And he said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to even let you select where you want to go. You, you select. You can go into the plains or you can go over here. You, you select, and I'll go the opposite direction. I want you to see this. Fasting forward. Abraham went through 25 years of testing and difficulties. He tried to fix it himself. Remember David? Uh, he tried to fix it himself, him and uh, uh, Sarah, by having a child by Hagar. Then he came to the point in the 15th chapter of Genesis, and, and Abraham said, oh, God, don't, don't look like it. you're going to do this. Anybody ever been going through some things you trying to remind yourself of what God said? That's that word that you gave me hope with, but it seemed like nothing is happening around me that, was seem, that seems to be in alignment with what you've said. Anybody ever been there? When I look at what's happening, I got, I know what you said, but when I look at what's happening around me, don't seem like anything is, 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 is flowing with what you said. And Abraham went before God in the 15th chapter of, John, uh, of Genesis and said, God, let me, let me, let me ask you this, because I, I understand, you know, some uh, of the laws and whatever. If, 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 if a man does not have a child of his own, Okay, what he can do is the servants in his house, the firstborn of the servants in his house, he can select them as being one that will receive an inheritance. Okay, so he said, now God, well, maybe that's what you're talking about because, you know, me and Sarah have been together now for, well, a number of years and, and, and nothing is still happening. So, so maybe this is what you, anybody, you ever been going through some things and trying to fix it yourself? And what they did, they made a mess. But I want you to look at something. While the wilderness is a developmental tool, it is also a training tool that trains you. You train, you trained in the wilderness. <laughs> the wilderness will train you how to know God's voice. It'll teach you. 
in the wilderness, you don't have uh, the conveniences of those things. So you were there. I remember mm, 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 Moses, Moses, Moses. Moses was raised up in the Egyptian culture with a call of God on his life. But when Moses left Egypt, the Bible says that Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness on the backside of the Midianite desert, out there tugging with himself. Can you see Moses out there? Uh, I, I, I have royalty. I, 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 I was next in line to the Egyptian empire, but I knew God had a calling on my life. And, and, and I made a move that I, I felt that was in alignment with God. But then now my life is at stake and I'm out here. And it seemed like God ought to send somebody to help me. But Moses was out there 40 years. But while Moses was out there 40 years, he was learning God. We call it the university of silence. Sometimes God will have you out there in the university of silence, in the university of trouble, because in the midst of those troubles, he's teaching you some things. He's training you. He's developing you inside of things that's going to be relevant to where you got to go. If you got to go someplace, don't fool yourself. You got to be prepared before you go. And sometimes we are prepared in the wilderness. Come on. So here Moses in the wilderness with his ears became more and more sensitive to God. Uh, he didn't have Pharaoh chiding in his ears. He didn't have Ramses chiding in his ears nor the Egyptians he was out there you know you ever been some going through some time is let me let me share this with you. I went through a period in my life I consider this probably one of the most difficult times in my life and it seems like everything just the bottom just dropped out so much so that I had to go to the hospital and the doctor told me that uh, all you're dealing with is stress. Okay, that's, that's one thing. But let me show you something. Now, and this is me, I'm saved and, and preaching the gospel. And I would always have individuals that I would call. You have you, you, you know, prayer partners? I mean, all of us should have prayer partners. And I had some prayer partners that I would call whenever I'm going through difficulties and they would always give me a word from God or, or, or pray with me or pray for me and it would always, you know, give me that strength to go through. But this time, I was going through one of the most difficult times in my life and I had three prayer partners in particular that I would always call. I called one, I couldn't get in contact with. I called another, couldn't get, called a third one, couldn't get, and that went on for weeks. I 
couldn't get in contact with him. And I'm saying, God, here I am. My head is just bursting open because of the thing that I'm dealing with. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. God, and, and I always had these individuals that give me a word. God, why is it that I can't get in contact with them? And you know what God spoke to me? God spoke to me and said, I've shut them off from you so that you can learn me for yourself. And you know what? I had no other choice but to settle myself and say, all right, God, you show me. God, you speak to me. You speak to me. You give me directions. And you can rest assured as a result of that, God began to speak to me. There's sometimes God will draw folk away from you just so that you can go to him. God said, this wilderness is not only developmental, but it's also a training tool. Wilderness is a faith-building experience. Anybody ever ask God, God, strengthen my faith or increase it? I know the disciples prayed that when Jesus was talking to them, Lord, increase our faith. Anybody ever wanted more faith? <laughs> wilderness, a lot of times, becomes faith building. Why? It's because many times in the wilderness, all you have to depend on is God. All you have to rely on is God. And when you turn your face to God, you see God working. And when you see God working, it will build your faith and ultimately change your lives. I got to go on through with this message because I, I want to make sure that I, I, I go someplace here. Because when we look at uh, 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 the patriarchs in the Bible that went through difficulties, but most of them went through wilderness experiences that I've shown you with Abraham and, and Moses and, 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 and different ones. They went through wilderness experiences, but as a result of those experiences, they came out better. How many want to be better? How many want to say, God, I, I want to get closer to you. God, I want to know you more. God, I, I want to be stronger in you. Sometimes it's the wilderness that makes you stronger. Come on, the psalmist said, these trials come only to what? Make me strong. This, I, but through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Because when things get difficult, when I can't go to this one for the help and that one for the help, I turn to God. Now, I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was ministering, and I want to share this again, and I want to keep this before us because there has been a slogan in the church over the years that says, if you tried everything, try Jesus. Okay. Now, that's bad. Take that out of your vocabulary. Take it out. I don't care how good it sounds. It was a song. If you tried everything and everything has failed, try Jesus. 
Oh, we get excited about that song. But let me show you something. I want to say this, but I'm trying to be nice. We don't make fools out of you. Why do you say that, Bishop? Why would I try? I got a problem, okay? Okay, I'm going to try this. That didn't work. Okay, I'm going to try this. That didn't work. I'm going to try this. That didn't work. I'm going to go try this. That didn't work. And you're trying everything. And when you finally found out that nothing is going to help you, then you go back. All right, Jesus, uh, you're not here. Come on. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. You don't have the security of knowing that when I'm trying these things over here, I don't get caught while I'm trying these things. Because let me share something with you. The devil is an opportunist. And because he is an opportunist, in whenever you step outside of the boundaries of God and godliness, you're on the devil's territory. And when I'm trying everything but Jesus asked Abraham and Sarah, they tried a different route. And Ishmael became, as it were, a, 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 a blockage. Still today, there's conflict between Hagar's seed and Sarah's seed, still today. Why? Because they tried something else instead of trying God. Let Jesus be your first choice. Let him be your first choice. Don't try everything else. I was lonely, so I, I saw this guy, he liked me, so uh, I decided to hook up with him and get married. I wanted to get rid of this loneliness. I was backed up in my bills and, and everything, and, and uh, um, you know, they told me, said, you know, if you do this over here, you can get some finances coming in. So I tried that. Not realizing, let me show you something. Not realizing that there are sometimes God puts you where you are. God puts you where you are to teach you some things, but you're going to get out of it. You're so antsy, you're trying to get out of it, and you miss the blessing or the teaching or the development that God is trying to develop in you while you're in that place. And a lot of times, because of that, you, you grow up warped. Why? Because you didn't learn the things you needed to learn while you were going through. Now, as I said earlier, when we look at the patriarchs, they were chosen of God. Come on. They had a calling of God on their lives. They had the promises of God over their lives. Look at Jacob. God promised Jacob when he was uh, uh, saw the ladder 
and the angels ascending and descending uh, uh, from heaven. And God spoke to Jacob and said, Jacob, I want you to wake up. Look, look, as far as you can see, I'm going to give you this land. I promise it to your fathers, but I'm going to give it to you. He said, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to go away, but when you come back, I want you to come right back here to this land called Bethel, at that time called Love's. And I'm going to give it to you. Now, I want you to look at something here now. God made Jacob that promise. But it was 20 years later before that promise came into fruition. There are many of us, God, have given us promises and, and put a calling on our lives. Many of us have callings on our lives, and God has ordained great things for us. But I want you to understand something, that just because I have a calling on my life, just because I have a promise, does not mean that I won't have to go through the wilderness in order to get it. Come on. There are many times that Pastor Carlin taught a lesson on last week, which was so powerful, the route to uh, uh, purpose. There are many times the route that you have to go through in order to inherit what God has to say, has, has spoken concerning your life, uh, may be difficult, it may be trying, uh, but I want you to understand that the trials are only there to build you up. They're only there to make you better. They're only there to teach you how to trust God, one of the greatest lessons that God has endeavored to teach his people is to teach them to trust him. From the time that Adam in the garden sinned against God, God endeavored to teach me, I got you. Just trust me. If you trust me, if you can trust me, I can do things that you can't even imagine. Just trust me. You may go through some difficulties, but trust me. I'm sovereign. I spoke to nothing, and you're standing on it. It's just trust me. And God said, and I want you right now, I want you to think about some of the things that you're dealing with right now. God said, trust me. Trust me. I want to do this because I got to close. I got to do this. The wilderness is not the problem. Okay? Your trials are not your problem. Folk talking about you is not your problem. Difficulties are not your problem. The problem is, is your attitude in the midst of them. Come on. You see, when we look at the issues as problems, all we want is the problem to go away. Okay. If I'm going through the wilderness and if wilderness is a problem to me, all I want is to get out of this wilderness. But when I look at it through the eyes of God as a training tool, 
as a developmental tool, as one that is teaching me how to trust God. Then now in the midst of my wilderness experience, instead of God, get me out of this. And how many times we say, God, get me out of this. God, you got to come and deliver me out of this. And, and we pray for weeks and weeks and months and months and God don't deliver us. And we never stop long enough to say, okay, God, what is it you're trying to show me? Come on. Because God, I know you're able. <laughs> Look at your neighbors and God is able. I, I know you're able, but since you're not doing it, what is it that you're trying to accomplish inside of this? You see, we don't want to stop and say, okay, God, maybe, maybe you have me here. Maybe, maybe you're trying to teach me something in the midst of what I am going through. So the wilderness is not the problem. It is my attitude in the midst of the problem. Let's go, let's look at um, the children of Israel, my scripture text. God promised the children of Israel through Moses that I'm going to bring deliverance. I'm going to take you out of the bondage of Egypt and I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Let me show you something here. <laughs> God is awesome. God told, them to, told Moses to tell them, I'm going to take them into a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to cause Pharaoh to set you free. God did not say anything about wilderness. He didn't say anything to them. About, he said, I'm going to set you free, and I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. They were excited. Oh yes, we we. Oh yes, we we. What 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 God wants us to do? We we do it. Put blood over our doors. Yes, we'll do that. Yeah. Okay, God, maybe. So now, let me show you something. If you search Scripture, the Scripture tells us in Deuteronomy, I think it's the eighth or eighth chapter, uh, when they had wandered in the wilderness for forty years. And Moses got them together, and Moses said, hear the word of the Lord. He said, God had taken you. Look at what it said. God had taken you by the way of the wilderness to prove you. To prove you. You see, sometimes you don't know what's in you until you go through difficulties. He said to prove you and to humble you. Let me show you something here now. Humble, humbling somebody does not mean you're breaking them down. You, you, you know, we have the tendency to think when you humble somebody, you break them down. No, that's not necessarily the biblical connotation for humble. When you humble somebody, when God humbles you, he's bringing you to the place that you depend and trust on him and him only. So God said, I took you by way of the wilderness to show you that I am God, that there's nothing that you can encounter that I don't have the power to overcome. I took you by this way to prove that to you because you're going into a land that you don't even realize what's on the other side yet. And if you're not developed and trained in the wilderness, you're not going to be ready for the promised land. We many times we want the promises of God. God, you say you're gonna give me a million dollars. You said you're gonna give me a house on the hill, and we want all of the promises of God. And God said, No, you're not ready for it yet, because if I give it to you right now, you're gonna be you're gonna make a mess out of it. God said, I gotta take you through this rock to take some things out of you, to strip you. Now let's look at this. My scripture text was 
Exodus, the 14th chapter. And um, I think it was started at the 10th verse and said, and when Pharaoh, this was after they left Egypt. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were so afraid. <laughs> Can I share something with you? One of our problems, a lot of times when we are going through that all we focus on is what we're going through. Come on. The Bible says when Pharaoh and his armies drew nigh, the children of Israel looked upon them and they became afraid, so afraid. You ever been going through some situations and, and, and you look at it? You say, oh my I can. Let me show you something. Let me, let me first do it this way. You have to be careful how you look at what you're dealing with. Okay? Be careful how you look at what you're dealing with. It doesn't mean that you, you, you know how somebody, sometimes you say, you, you know, God, God's got it. Yeah, but you, you don't know, you know, God, I'm, I'm feeling this. Yeah, yeah, I know that, but stop looking at that and look at God. We'll focus on the difficulties. We'll focus on, and that's, that, but that's real. What, I, what I'm dealing with is real. Sure, it's real. It was real that, that Egypt, that Pharaoh was after, after the children of Israel. It was real. But when they looked at him and focused on them, their hearts became faint, and they forgot about the promise that God made to them. Listen, I don't care where you are in your life and what it is that you were dealing with. If you could just lock into what God said, if God said, I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey, forget about those Egyptians behind you because God in his sovereignty had the power to do that. But no, they started looking at the children of Israel, at the, at the Egyptians. Now they cried out to the Lord, oh, Lord, you, 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 you're not folk, dude. They don't ever have, want to have anything to do with God until trouble goes, oh, God, help me. But before they can get it out of their mouth, they're going to call a meeting with Moses. No, come, come here, Moses. We, we, we need to talk. We, we, we need to talk. You brought us out here to kill us in the wilderness. We told you when we were in Egypt to leave us alone. We learned how to manage in Egypt. And you brought us out here. Look at your neighbor's attitude. Check your attitude. Check your attitude when you're going through. Check your attitude when difficulties come. Because the same God that brought you out of Egypt is the same God that is there with you now when Pharaoh is breathing down your neck. Come on. The same God that slayed all of the firstborn of the Egyptian children and kept yours alive is the same God that is with you now. Why is it that right now you're going to lose hope and get worried about 
this over here. Let me show you what happened here now. Let me show you what happened. After they spoke to Moses, because I'm not going to go through the whole thing, Moses said, listen, now listen, listen, listen. Moses listen. My word to you is fear not. Look at your neighbors and fear not. Stand still and see. I'm going to have to close this. If you want to know how to thrive in the midst of your wilderness experience, first of all, fear not. Don't entertain fear. If I have a word from the Lord, why am I going to fear difficulties? You know what fear is? Fear is my way of saying that what I'm encountering, what I'm facing is bigger than God. That's really what fear is. Fear is saying, oh, oh I can't do it, and, and, and hey, I only believe God can do it. So fear for a believer is an insult to God. It's an insult. It's like you telling God that, God, you can't handle this. You can't handle this. Uh, this situation that the enemy brought my way is bigger than you. So I'm panicking. I, 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 got, I got to try to figure out something to do because, see, fear will cause you to go into a frenzy and, and cause you to become in unreasonable. And come on. You're, you're, uh. Look at the neighbor said, fear not. And what? Stand still. Let me show you something. I love the way God speaks because if I fear, I'm not going to stand still. Anybody ever growing up, you know, we were scared of the boogeyman and all kind of stuff like that. And um, you're going through something, you look like you see something. Fear causes you to flight, take flight, okay? But if I can overcome that fear, I can stand still. I want to show you something here. God said, fear not. Whatever it is you're going through, realize it. I'm in control. I can handle it. You got to stand still, but you're not going to stand still until you get rid of that fear. Getting rid of fear puts me in a position that I trust God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a what? Sound mind. Stand still. Look at your neighbors and stand still. When we look at that phrase, stand still, it means just that, stand still. You don't have to flight. You don't have to stand still. 
it reminds me of First Peter, the fifth chapter said, be sober. <laughs> to stand still means that I'm sober. I'm not wavered by what's going on. I'm not moved by what's happening. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by the difficulties that I'm facing because I know God is in control, so I'm going to stand still. Be sober. A sober-minded man is a man that is not taken off course by situations, that's not controlled by situations and circumstances. A sober-minded man is one that stands in the midst of what he's going through and waits for a word from the Lord. Be sober. It does not mean that I don't care about what you're dealing with, what you're going through, but I can categorically tell you today that you don't have to fear because God. And if you don't fear, you can stand still. And then the next part of that verse said, and what? See. If I don't fear... Oh, let me go with this. If I fear, I won't be able to stand still. And if I don't stand still, I won't be able to see. Come on. It all works together. Fear not. Stand still and what? See. The reason why so many of us are of failing the test in the midst of what we are going through is because we are looking at what we are dealing with. <coughs> we are looking at it and we are fearful because we feel that it's going to overtake us and we are moved here and there. But when we fear not, stand still, we can see the salvation of the Lord. I don't care what it is that you are going through. Stand still long enough to see God. Stop letting the situation cause you to run here and run there and run elsewhere. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians I think it's the 4th chapter 17th verse it says here for our light afflictions Now, some folk get offended when you say that because how are you going to call what I'm going through light? I just had to deal with this. I had to deal with that. I just buried my grandmother last week. Now, this week, I, something else is happening, and, 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 and my, my brother lost his job, and, and, then, and you're talking about light afflictions. Perception. Look at your neighbor's perception. However I perceive a thing is how I'm going to deal with it. If I see it as trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble, then that's how I'm going to deal with it. But if I see it as God working, then it's a light affliction. So here Paul said, for our light affliction, 
I'm not going to do that. I started to tell you to look at your neighbor and say, tell them what you're going through is light, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'll just teach the word, and I'll let you use it. For our light affliction, which is what? But for what? A moment. I've been going through this here now for over a year. God said, in my scale, my time scale, it's only a moment, you know. Because when you look at what I got for you, what you're going through now ain't nothing. It's, it's, it's not worthy to be compared. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, working for us. Look at somebody and say, it's working for me. It's working for me. My wilderness experience is working for it. My trials are working for me. My light affliction is working for me. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I want you to look at something here because this is very important because we can grab scriptures and take the good part out of it and leave the other part out. My light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for me. It's working for me. It's working for me. He's intentional. It's working. Working for me. It's working okay. Good, good, good. But look at what it said. It said, while, while we look not at the things that are seen, it'll work for you when you don't focus on it so much. Your affliction will work for you. You're looking at it and it's crippling you. You're looking at it and it's just making you feel bad. But when you look at it through the eyes of God, you can see that it's working for you in a totally different way. And you ought say, why are we look not at the things what? That are what? Seen. You see, let me show you this. When we settle ourselves inside of what God says concerning our lives, and we really rest there, we won't spend a whole lot of time looking at what we see. One of our problems in life is what we see is all we see. Okay. What do you mean by that, Bishop? <laughs> what I see, that's all I can see. I know they're talking about me. I know this is happening. I know that's happening. That's all I see. If I stop looking at what I see, I can see God. You know, sometimes the reason why we can't see God is because all we're focusing on is what we can see. He said, why we look not at the things that are seen, but what? At the things that are what? Not seen. We don't want to stop there. We, we, we don't want to deal with that part. But you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know how they treat me on my job. You don't know how they're talking about me. You don't know, and you don't know. No, I don't know, but I know God. I know God, and God is bigger. Stop looking at what you see and look at God. Why we look not at the thing that are seen, but at the thing that are what? Not seen. My strength is in what I don't see. It's in God. We used to sing the song as we were growing up in the church, I got my eyes on the lily of the valley. Ever heard that song? I got my eyes on the bright and morning star. 
I'm going through some difficulties, but my eyes are on him. Psalmist said in 121st song, I think it's 121, he says, Will I lift up mine eyes but unto the hills from whence cometh my help? What do you mean? I have to lift up my eyes to see God. If I look right here, all I'm going to see is this. But when I trust God, I'm going to lift up my eyes into the hill. Why? That's where my help is coming from. My help is not coming from right here. My help is coming from here. I can thrive in the wilderness if I check my attitude at the door. Okay. I will never stand here and say that you won't go through anything. Come on. I'll never stand here and say what you're going through right now is going to be over tomorrow. I don't know what God is working. I would love to be able to do that. You ever find somebody, find a prophet, prophesy, prophesy to me that everything's going to be all right right now. If God is working something in your life, I don't care how much I prophesy that it's going to be over. It's not going to be over until God. Says, but they did, they, they did that in, and I, got, I keep saying I'm going to close, but they did that in Jeremiah's day. We, we love um, Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the plan that I have for these, said the Lord. But we don't read what was said before that. Because there were, the prophets were going about and prophesying to the children of Israel while they were in Babylonian captivity and say, don't worry, God's going to bring you out soon. God's going to, and God spoke to Jeremiah and God said, listen, you tell them to stop that because I'm not going to bring them out. Now, I got a designated time to bring them out. And God spoke to them and said, you tell them to marry and, and buy land and all of that while they're in captivity because I'm going to bless them even in the midst of their captivity, even in the midst of their trial. I'm going to bless them. He said, because I know the plan. <laughs> I know the plan that I have. I don't care what the prophets say. I know the plan that I have. And my plan is for you all to have 70 years under this Babylonian captivity. Then I'll bring I want to encourage us on today. Stand to your feet. You can give me some music. <clears throat> I want to encourage us today. Those of you that are online, I want to encourage you today. <clears throat> that regardless of what it is that you're going through, my Bible tells me, and I trust that you read the same Bible I have, whether it's the King James or New New. NIV, Amplified, whatever it is, my Bible says, God said, I'll be with you always. Even until the end of the earth. And if I'm with you, there's nothing that can challenge you that is more powerful than me. Come on, now I want you to see that. It's 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 almost like uh, um, 
Jermaine, you got you, you don't have any son, but if you have a, have a, a child, and um, your child having difficulties bullying, but it's a good 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 illustration bullying. He's in first grade bullying, and you said. Um, Jermaine Jr. Listen, I want you to know that I'm going to be with you. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be sitting in the class with you. I know this is not right, but I'm just creating an illustration. <clears throat> when you go on the playground, I'm going to be there with you. On your way home, I'm going to be there with you. When you get on the bus, I'm going to be there with you. See, this is what God is saying. He said, I'll be, I'll be there with you always. <clears throat> he said, now, when those little whippersnappers come to challenge you, always remember that I'm with you. They can't beat me. Come on. This is what God is saying regardless of what you're going through, remember that I am with you. Just because it's lingering does not mean that I'm not with you. Just because it seemed to be becoming more difficult does not mean that I am not with you. Stop long enough to ask me what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and work with me so that my will can be accomplished. <clears throat> How many of you want to be able to thrive in the midst of your wildernesses? <clears throat> Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to pray for those that would say, Bishop, today, settle my spirit I'm going to trust God if I trust God I'm going to abandon fear anxieties the Bible said be anxious for nothing don't get stressed out over anything but in all things remember that I'm with you
that what we may be going through now, you have purpose for it. Yeah, God. You're trying to build us up in you. You're trying to develop us. You're trying to build our faith. You're training us about ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've tried to get out of our training class, our training sessions. Forgive us, Lord, when we allowed our attitudes to cause us to look at what we're going through wrong. Mm. Cause our spirits to be settled in you, knowing, God, that you are in control. That's not just a by-phrase. But you are in control. You're not just in control of Bishop's life. You're not just in control of the pastor's life. But you're in control of all of our lives. You're more powerful than anything we could ever deal with, ever face. And we pray right now, God, that whatever it is that we are going through, I'm not even praying, God, that you would bring us out. I'm praying, God, that you would strengthen us in the midst, yeah, God, and make us that that you desire us to be. I rebuke, Lord, right now, every spirit of fear. I rebuke every spirit of anxiety. In the name of Jesus. I declare strength in your people right now. Strength, Lord, for the journey. You are our strength. I declare it over your people's lives right now. In the name of Jesus. Show us how to draw on you. Show us how to draw on you, God. In the midst of what we're going through, show us how to draw on you, Nobasha. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for a visitation right now. Mm. I thank you for a visitation. There are many, God, that are going through right now, that are right here. God, many are going through. I pray right now for a divine visitation in the midst of what we are dealing with. Right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for our God. Was in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody, put those hands together. Tell the Lord, thank you. Come on, put those hands. That's it. Tell him thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you do me one favor? Just lift your hands and say, Lord, have your way in my life. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. God is doing some things. God is raising the people. And I want you all to see you see, God has a purpose a lot of times that far exceeds what's going on in our mind. You understand? God has a purpose that far exceeds that. We think 
that God is locked into our little whatever here, but God has a purpose that far exceeds that. And a lot of time, God will orchestrate things in our lives in accordance to that purpose. And it doesn't make us feel good at the time. But God said, don't worry, you're just a vessel that I'm using to accomplish my purpose. I got you. I know how to take care of you. I'm not going to use you and throw you away. Allow me to have my way in your lives. God is raising up an army. He's raising up an army in this last day. He's raising up an army that's going to stand tall in the midst of all that we see is happening. We read the news every day and we see the calamities that's happening. We see how everything is just, you know, rising, you know, violence and all of that. We, oh God, oh God. But don't you fool yourself. God has a plan also. God has a plan. God himself is raising an army. You see, the devil is out there working on his army. See, the devil used the internet and, and all of those things to build his army, the violence and all of those things. See, the devil is building his army, but don't you fool yourself. God is not sitting down, saying, oh, well, well, I'm twiddling his thumb. God himself is building an army. And God is selecting Andrea in my army, Jermaine, Tanisha in my army, Kofi in my army, Joyce, Evelyn. I said, y'all, Ophelia, yeah. God said, yeah, you're part of my army. And I miss you because I don't know your names. God said, I'm building somebody that I can put out there and trust when things are difficult. That's what I'm doing. All right, I'm going to finish. I'm finished. <clears throat> we bless the Lord. We thank God for those you that are online on today. We thank you for your patience in following us today inside of the message. Never allow the enemy to tell you that what you're going through is bigger than God or bigger than the purpose of God. Listen, I didn't just say survive. I didn't say survive. I said thrive. That's a big difference. If I'm surviving, that means I'm making it by the skin of my teeth. No, no, no. God said you can thrive in the wilderness. You can get better. You can grow stronger. Let's, let's uh, get ready for an offering. I want everybody to get an offering in your hands on today. Let's bless God <clears throat> without giving. And let's, let me challenge you here. Let's be a people that give. Okay. Let's be a people that give. That's something that I, and I, at some point I'm going to teach on this, but that's something that I've, as pastor here, those of you that have been with me for a while, you know that I've never really put a whole lot of emphasis on giving from the standpoint of pressuring 
and I still won't do that. Okay, the Bible said, as a man purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Okay. But I want to challenge you to purpose in your heart that you're going to be a giver. Okay. The Bible says we honor the Lord with our givings. I'm going to say that again. The Bible says we honor the Lord with our giving. It's my way of letting God know, God, I love you. I appreciate you, God. God, you're awesome, and and I'm honoring you by giving to you. Let's be a people of giving that give. And can I share something with you? Don't just give to be blessed. Give because you're blessed. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Don't give to be blessed. Give because you are blessed. We know that you were blessed by today's message. We have to not only be listeners of the Word of God, but also doers. To find out what your next steps may be, simply go to ofhorangeburg.com forward slash next. Come again next week where we will make sure you have a place to find God.